0: Accessing Agent Files Brian Sovereign Early 21st Century Anarchist Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check. By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government Helping usher in an incredible time Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side? and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now here's Brian.
1: Oh, you better believe it. The Golden Stallion's here for you for another wonderful special for Sovereign Tech. And yes, I am beyond honored to deliver this talk. And this talk is not me. This is actually a talk by the lovely and hyper-intelligent, the Duchess of Debauchery, Dr. Stephanie Murphy. And this is the talk she gave at Coins in the Kingdom. And it is all about pretty much, you know, creating a... Uh, perhaps a, a micro business, you know, it's about entrepreneurship and the abilities that Bitcoin affords you in doing that now to me and to many of the other people that were there because I was able to, of course I was with Stephanie and I was there when, when some other people came up to her afterwards, even though she does do a Q and a, uh, but they, they asked her and, you know, gave her feedback after the fact. And to me, the, the best thing about this as it was to them, was just the absolutely inspirational story of what Stephanie has gone through uh, in the past few years, you know, going from, you know, go, going from Dartmouth to starting her own business, you know, and, and beyond and all of that. Uh, and that's really the most, I mean, it, it is inspirational no doubt. And it is something that I think people need to hear. And certainly at Coins in the Kingdom, which was a place meant to be, you know, and it was a great Bitcoin party and celebration. Uh, her story is something worth celebrating it. And of course, for me, it's uh, it's an honor every day. It's a privilege every day to to see her, her grow personally. Um, and this is just a great, you know, kind of wrap up to what has happened to just so far. And I'm sure in the future it's going to be even greater success. And when those talks get to be given, uh, that'll really be something. And Bitcoin really did afford a lot of this. Uh, it's, it's a fact. The community, uh, y- you know, what what exists of the community definitely, you know, gets behind uh, Stephanie. And, uh, you know, she's been able to work within it very well. And yeah, well, you'll hear more about it. Let, let, I'll let her do the talking. OK, and again, just a incredibly inspirational. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Of course, uh, she and I will both be at Keenvention 2014 in the next few days here, uh, coming up in approximately a week. Or when this is getting released, it'll just be a few days. And there we will also be doing a Bitcoin panel. She'll be hosting it. I'll be a part of it, along with other great panelists. And uh, I will be you know i'll i'll be uh, running my own panel which is the you know the the tech and science panel and uh, we will have recordings of those and those will get released as well uh, stephanie's really great about making sure that you know her her collection of work and thus by default my collection of work as she is my producer uh, gets recorded in some way just in case you know just as a backup just in case something you know goes wrong she really does her due diligence and obviously you know <laughs> uh this this special you're going to listen to will certainly prove uh, prove that so anyway uh let's go right to Dr. Stephanie Murphy the hardest working woman i know certainly and certainly in bitcoin <laughs> i mean wow is she amazing i'm i'm not going to you know i'll just let the music ride this one out uh, i won't be back after after the talk but please enjoy it and i hope it inspires you as much as it inspired uh, many others at coins in the kingdom and uh, again just a real real pleasure for me to to be able to release this in the sovereign tech feed anyway carpe Lucem, everybody i'll see you on the other side hey
0: everybody, i think we're going
2: to start the talk now we're running a little bit behind schedule so just want to keep things moving along so I am gonna be speaking about ways to build a business and make money online with Bitcoin, but it's not gonna be uh, you know, your typical, oh, Bitcoin e-commerce talk, this is great, it's another credit card, except it's Bitcoin. Definitely not gonna be that, because I also wanna talk about some of the reasons why someone might want to do that, and it's gonna be a little bit of a, a deeper dive. So first of all, I'm Stephanie Murphy. Hi, uh, thank you for coming. You might know me from Let's Talk Bitcoin. That's a podcast that I'm a host of. It's about Bitcoin, it comes out twice a week. But there's actually way more to my uh, personal story than that. And we're gonna get into that you know, here in just a minute. But first I wanna say thanks. You know, I'm so happy to be here. This is already a great event. It's just started off, but you know, of course, Jason and Megan have done an awesome job organizing this, as usual. You know, this, is, this is just turning out to be a great conference. And I really like the uh, fact that this is sort of a, more of a community focused kind of event. You know, I really like, um, you know, just having kind of a smaller, just before me in this room, Brian Sovereign was talking, he was talking about the Dunbar number. And uh, (laughs) I often feel that principle coming into play like, you go to enough Bitcoin conferences and there's just so many people that you meet there and sometimes it's hard to remember names and keep track of, of what was going on. But I really like these conferences that are more kind of bringing the core community together. And uh, I like the idea that I think a lot of people who are here today and who may be watching this on the internet later um, are interested in freedom in in every sense of the word. <laughs> yep, we got some in the audience for sure. <laughs> And I was thinking about how I could give a talk here that was gonna provide value to people who are interested in freedom, and people who you know, might be kind of like this core Bitcoin community that I'm interested in being a part of. And I know, you know, having been in the Bitcoin world for a long time, you hear a lot about the unbanked, right? You hear a lot about like, well, how can we uplift the world out of global poverty? And how can we solve all these really pressing problems that are facing people around the world you know, there's billions of people or, or, you know, at least a billion, over a billion people living in abject poverty around the world. And how can we use Bitcoin to help them out? And that is a pretty tall order. Like, that is a monumental task. And I know there are lots of people working on that, but it's very hard to do. You can't do it by yourself. You know, you, it's it's going to take a huge amount of institutional change like just all around to get anything happening on that front you know it's just it's a very difficult task and having been a a libertarian or a freedom lover or someone who's interested in liberty for a long time I hear that and I see um, a pattern that I kind of recognize and that is that there are lots of people out there maybe it's a personality type or maybe it's you know just an interest or something like that where they they catch fire with certain ideas and they want to change the world like they get really really bent on how can we change the world how can we make the whole world better but sometimes what they don't do is look at their own lives and look at maybe where there's space in their own lives to create more freedom for themselves and that's a really important idea because your own life is the thing that you have the most control over, right? You can't wave a magic wand and make there be clean water in Africa and get rid of Ebola and get get a billion people out of poverty around the world. You just can't do that. Even if you work with institutions and you have a lot of help, you can't really do that by yourself. And you could spend a lot of effort trying, but it's hard, right? It's just a tall order. And even if you could it wouldn't necessarily have a great impact on your own personal happiness either, even if you could change the world. Like, there's a lot of libertarians out there, for instance, who want to, you know, they want to, like, end all the wars and they want to get rid of, abolish the IRS. And, like, some people who even fantasize about, like, well, maybe we can get Ron Paul to become president one day or something like that. And they, you know, they try to work on those things sometimes for a while and they burn out because it just doesn't happen. And then they end up frustrated and unhappy when maybe they could be happier if they actually just looked at their own lives and the things that they have lots of control over that have the potential to get them a lot of happiness right now without much effort compared to something like getting Ron Paul elected president <laughs> or like ending global poverty. Right, and so the things I'm talking about that you do have control over in your own life are like, who are your friends? Like, who do you hang out with? Who, you know, who do you associate with? Um, What's your job? Do you like your job or do you hate your job? (laughs) There's a lot of people out there who just hate their jobs and they're just, every day they spend more time with, at work than they do with their significant others, but they hate their jobs. And you know your health, right? Like, Are you paying enough attention to your health? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting sick all the time? Are you eating well? Like just those things are, you are the one who has ultimate control over those things but sometimes as, as people who are idealists or activists or whatever, we, we tend not to focus on ourselves. We tend to focus on trying to change the world. So what I really wanted to talk about today is how you can you know, maybe make some space for more freedom in your own life and how you can do that like in an actionable way um, through entrepreneurship. Because this is a very personal um, thing to me. I've actually done this myself just in the past year. I came to a crossroads where I made a major career change. And I want to talk a little bit about that before I talk about some of these specific strategies for online business with Bitcoin. Um, but first I want to talk about my own story to kind of illustrate why someone might want to Um, try to free themselves through, you know, building an online business. So, um, I was always a pretty serious person, you know, like, I guess maybe I was born that way, but I I always took school and everything, like, really seriously, I was, like, really ambitious and driven, and I always, you know, worked hard, and I got good grades, and, of course, a lot of times when you grow up, you think that grades are, like, what it's about, You get this impression from adults that like to get their approval and to please them like you have to you have to jump through all these hoops and get good grades and be a good kid and everything like that so I totally bought into that you know I was just stuck in this this school system where I really wasn't taught to think outside the box in any way it was just like follow directions get good grades and you'll be successful (laughs) right have you all heard that (laughs) yeah (laughs) some people are nodding their heads so, I mean, like any person who wants to be successful, I kind of got myself on this path of like, well, I should go to med school someday. I should become a doctor, right? And, and how did that happen? Well, it's funny because I remember being like 15 or 16 and I got to the age where people started asking me, what do you want to do when you grow up, you know? And I, I would say, honestly, you know, I, I'd like to be on the radio. I wanna do something with my voice. I wanna be maybe an actor or something like that. Maybe be in, in theater or something. Or you know, go into communications, be in the media. And every adult that I told that to, which wasn't many, because after a while I kinda learned not to say that. <laughs> but every adult that I told that to was like, you'll never make any money doing that. That's just, you don't wanna do that. That's a bad career choice. That's a poor path to go down. Go into something sensible, like science, yeah. become a doctor, right? Like that's the way to be successful. That's the way to guarantee that you're going to have um, a good income and job security and all the stuff that people want job security. That's another thing. And so I took that to heart and actually I really liked science too. So it, you know, it wasn't like too far off. It wasn't like I was forcing myself into something I hated and I was good at science, but when someone asked me you know, with, with an unbiased uh, opinion what, what did I want to be when I grew up, it, it wasn't really, uh, a scientist wasn't actually my first choice, it was like speaking from the heart, I want to do something else. So I did, I went into this career path, uh, you know, I studied biochemistry in college, actually graduated college with a 4.0 perfect GPA, but yeah, but what did that get me? Not much, I mean, <laughs> I didn't have much fun that was the thing. I barely had any friends. I missed out on a lot of fun things about being in your early 20s because I was so focused on school. And and what I was trying to do was to get into med school, right? Because when you, you go to school and they tell you, well, school prepares you for college. College prepares you maybe for graduate school and it prepares you for real life. Okay. I bought into that too. So, uh, You know, I I got good grades, I did get into medical school, but I didn't just want to become a a doctor. I actually, um, I really liked science, like I said before, and um, I had done a bunch of volunteering and a bunch of working in research labs. And so I got onto this career path where I was not just gonna become a doctor, but a double doctor, okay? So (laughs) I was going to try to get an MD and a PhD which it sounds crazy when you say it. It's almost like going into the military. Uh, It's supposed to take eight years, and it's uh, eight years of grueling hard work, but after that time, you're a double doctor. You've got two degrees, and the point of it is so that you can cure diseases, so you can do medical research and have the perspective of both a doctor and a scientist to be able to solve um, serious problems, diseases. And that really appealed to me. I really wanted to do that. Like, I I really wanted to cure diseases. Are you seeing a theme? I mean, that's fixing the world, right? Before I was fixing myself. At the same time, I was, you know, I was so interested in curing all these diseases, but I wasn't happy. You know, I was spending all my time working and just going after these these grades and these accolades and stuff like that. When that wasn't really what I needed, I needed a little bit more freedom and playtime and space. So, um, I did, you know, end up going to med school. And uh, I trusted my intuition. I actually got into Harvard and Yale for med school. I turned them down because I wanted to live in New Hampshire because I was interested in the, uh, the Free State Project. All these professors said I was crazy. You know, how could you turn down Harvard? I mean, I, that, I still have the, uh, the letter, you know, that, <laughs> that I sent back to them. Uh, but I, I ended up in New Hampshire. I went to Dartmouth, um, and I started Med school, and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I'll be helping people. I'll be intellectually stimulated. I'll be making a difference. I'll be able to cure diseases. And you know, of course, the other side effect of that was I got a lot of praise from all these people. That oh my god, you're going. Oh, that's so cool. You're going to med school. Oh, your daughter's going to med school. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, it, it was just amazing the way that people reacted to it and then everybody of course said oh well you'll have a great income too you know good doctors make a lot of money right isn't that the isn't that what you hear about doctors they make a lot of money well after going to med school for two years which I ultimately didn't finish I did do two years of school I didn't finish it um, I did also do five years of my PhD which I did finish so I have my PhD in biochemistry after going through seven years of this I realized that none of that was actually true <laughs> And I mean, it was it was pretty bad how untrue all of that stuff was. You know, for starters, med school was just not a friendly place for someone who identified as a libertarian. You know, it's a really socially conservative culture. In a but in a weird way, like it's also it's socially conservative, but it's also combined with like the idea that most academic doctors and med students are just. Like drooling over Obamacare and socialized medicine, they think it's going to solve all these problems of in the healthcare system. It hasn't, and it didn't then. <laughs> um, you know, they take it as almost like a foregone conclusion that the government should ban things like guns and trans fats and soda <laughs> for your own good. <laughs> One thing I, you know. One thing that I quickly realized was that doctors don't actually make a lot of money. You know, like you you hear that, but it's actually not true. Like, so most med students start out with um, a quarter million dollars worth of debt from school. That's a pretty hard burden to overcome. Then when you get out of med school after four years, you're um, a medical resident, you get paid peanuts. It's like, you know, $40,000 a year, and you're working 80, 90 hours a week, you know. Um, being just the brunt of the workhorse of the hospital, doing all this crap work that nobody else can do or wants to do, and just getting paid, essentially McDonald's wages if you calculate it per hour. It's nuts that someone with with an advanced degree goes through that, but that's all part of the hazing ritual. Oh, I mean the the training process (laughs) that you go through. (laughs) And then, you know, then by the time most doctors get out of of their residencies, they're like 30 years old and they want to start having families and buying houses. And then they take on a mortgage and then they take on a car loan and then they take on their, and they have kids. And so a lot, like if you become a family doctor and not a dermatologist or an anesthesiologist, which are like the highest earning types of medicine, then you could not get out of debt until you're like 70 years old. So understanding that really made me think, And then in my PhD work, you know, pretty much every all academic science is funded by the government, and that means that you get all the problems of basically working for the government. I mean, the the idea becomes to get grants instead of to do meaningful, helpful research. To get more, you know, they want to get more grants. Just the, the process of moving science forward—it just felt so monumentally slow sometimes. It was really demoralizing and frustrating. And uh, this project that I worked on for my PhD thesis for five years of my life—I don't know if it's ever going to help a human being, you know? <laughs> Maybe it will, but it's not for sure, and I just don't know. So, you know, that kind of smashed my hopes of doing something meaningful, something where I could feel like I was making a difference, or. Changing the world, let alone curing diseases, like that's just not going to happen. Oh yeah, and a lot of people who go to you know to go to get their PhD want to become professors, right? That's a logical career goal. Well, actually, less than ten percent of PhD graduates ever actually end up becoming professors. So the system is just really screwed up in a lot of different ways. And you know, the one thing I didn't expect was just how unhappy everyone was. You know, I saw a lot of my med school classmates getting divorced, you know, a lot of them gaining weight, developing drug problems. Like, these are not signs of happy people, unfortunately. It's really sad. And like, we were supposed to be examples of health as doctors, and most people were not examples of good health, mentally or physically, unfortunately. So that was a, all this was like just a huge wake-up call for me. And the good thing about working on my PhD in this lab uh, for so long was that I got a chance to listen to a lot of podcasts, because I would just sit there and run experiments all day, kind of like a monkey you know, in the lab <laughs> pipetting things. And uh, I got a chance to listen to a lot of great uh, podcasts and reading material. So some of the things that I listened to were um, you know, Complete Liberty podcast and School Sucks podcast, Freedom Man Radio, uh, I listened to The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss uh, on audiobook, The, the Hundred Dollar Startup by Chris, Chris uh, Gilbo, and the Smart Passive Income podcast. And so I was just like filling my mind with all of these things about career freedom and personal freedom, mental freedom. And uh, after hearing about Bitcoin for the first time in 2011, I heard about that on Free Talk Live, which is another radio show. And uh, I was super interested in Bitcoin. Like I just wanted to read everything I could get my hands on. I started digging through the Bitcoin forum. I started listening to Eric Voorhees going on all these podcasts and explaining this, what's this Bitcoin thing? (laughs) And it really appealed to me, like it just caught fire. And and so I started getting excited while I was mentally ready to make the transition out of my career, but not not technically ready to do it yet because I wanted to graduate first. I started just preparing myself, you know, learning everything I could about Bitcoin and thinking about my strategy, planning, planning my escape strategy—the prison break, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I was thinking about what I could do instead. You know, if I didn't want to be okay, this this whole plan isn't working out of being a doctor and a scientist. This this isn't really working out for me. So, what can I do instead? And I wanted to do something where, you know, I could totally outside the box where I could just incorporate my interest in Bitcoin and, you know, maybe do something with this hobby that I picked up of podcasting, which was another thing that I was doing that I was really interested in. And uh, my, you know, do something that would let me work from home and sort of set my own hours and decide my own schedule. Because that was not something I had ever really done in my whole life. You know, being in the school system, it's like a rigid schedule. And then Go, going from that to graduate school, it's another rigid schedule. So I wanted to be free, make my own schedule, um, and I wanted to work in a field. After working in, in, you know, medicine and science, like I was done with licensing, <laughs> and so I wanted to work in a field that was just that I didn't have to like satisfy some professional body or like take a, a test to prove that I was worthy of practicing that art form or whatever. Um, so what I came up with is what I'm actually doing now and I'm a voice actor. I have my own business that I started a couple of years ago when I was even still um, working in my old job. It's a micro-business, which is a type of small business with like few or no employees. I'm the only employee, you know, <laughs> and I work for my clients, so um, actually most businesses around the world are micro-businesses, but that's just kind of an interesting little factoid. But it's, the point is that it's very common to have these types of businesses, like the word solopreneur, which was coined by Larry Kelto. He was, uh, he was in the publishing world and he kind of st- struck out on his own and started his own business um, publishing online. And he was one of the first people to do that and he's been really successful. So he calls himself a solopreneur because it's, like it's a small business that you run by yourself. So that word works for me. So now I, I love my job. <laughs> you know? It's, uh, it's great. I do all my work online, you know, from the studio that I built in my home. Some of my clients I've met face-to-face or know face-to-face, but it's not a requirement. Um, I get about a third of my income in Bitcoin, which is cool. I've worked with voiceover clients all over the world, Germany, China, England, Canada, Chile, you know, just all these different places where it, it might be hard to do that with fiat money or there might be some problems. I'm also a talk show host, and I'm on the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast, which is just this amazing opportunity. I couldn't say no to it, even though I kind of got offered the opportunity to be on the show like right as I was coming out of this period of turmoil with changing my job. But I couldn't say no to it because it, it's, it's worked out so well. It's been just this great opportunity to travel around and meet so many awesome people in the Bitcoin space, in the Bitcoin world. And a great side effect of that is that I can... You know I, I meet a lot of potential voiceover clients that way too i've voiced dozens and dozens of videos and phone systems and tutorials for um, Bitcoin companies you know you 've probably heard some of the stuff that i 've done i 'm even working on a Bitcoin audiobook right now, which is the words of Satoshi, which is just the coolest project ever and um, those are just my Bitcoin clients you know i 've got other clients too i 've done voice work for national brands like Graco and eBay and Dell and Best Western, ABC Family, and some others. So I really feel like I'm just living the dream. Like, it was so scary to make this career change, but it was so worth it. And it created so much more uh, freedom in my life. And it, it was scary, like I said. It was a big step. It felt like it was monumental. But I did it, and I changed my own world. You know, I didn't have to change the world. I changed my own world. And so... That's why I wanted to talk about this today because it's brought, it's brought so much freedom to my own life. So maybe I can give you some ideas that might inspire you. You know, if you if you're thinking about building some kind of business online, that might inspire you to do that. So um, let's see. So people do this every day. I mean. It might be unusual to make a career change from being in this MD PhD program to becoming a voice actor. I might be the only one who's done it, but if you know anyone else, you know, definitely give them my email address cuz I'd love to talk to them. But but people do this every day that there are lots of people who leave these like soul-sucking kind of corporate jobs that they're not happy in and they start their own businesses online. And the strategies to do that, I think we have some in the audience who may have done that. And the strategies to do that are kind of well-defined. There's a lot of literature for free out there on the internet about online business. Um, some of the strategies that people use that are just maybe even new to entrepreneurship, have never done anything like this before, have always worked in a corporate job. So you can start a services-based business. You can do a blog, a podcast, or some, a YouTube channel, you know, video content generation. You can do self-publishing, write a book about something you're an expert in. You can make an online course about something that you know and you want to teach others. You can make a game. You can make an app. Uh, you could do affiliate marketing, which is selling someone else's product and getting a commission on it. Or you can do e-commerce, which is selling your own product and, or selling something that you curate, building a store that you curate. Um, and really, the sky's the limit with that. The product could be anything, anything. So those are some of the strategies that people use uh, for basic online businesses that almost anyone can do. It's just what do you want to do? And you know, these are not necessarily about the unbanked. Okay, like I started off in the talk saying, we hear a lot about the unbanked. Yeah, um, we do hear a lot about them, and they're important. They absolutely matter. Um, but this is more geared towards the banked who want to unbank themselves, <laughs> right? <laughs> because there are problems with being banked too. Like I'll be the first one to admit it. You know, sometimes dealing with PayPal, dealing with banks, dealing with uh, Douala or whatever, it's, it can be a hassle if you're a freelancer and you know it. So, um, so this is really more about um, people who wanna create more freedom in their lives. Okay, so let's get right into it. Um, for services-based businesses, so I'm gonna talk about each of these different strategies and then do like a little case study about how it could tie in with Bitcoin. So for services, uh, you could do anything. You could do a consultancy, you could do life coaching. Copy editing is a really popular one online. Uh, you could be a virtual assistant. The jobs out there are endless if you're looking uh, at services. I mean, almost everyone has some kind of skill that they can do or offer, whether it's something really basic, like um, you know, uh, picking up errands or something or being a courier. Um, actually that could not be basic because sometimes it's really complicated to be a courier you have to get things are perishable you have to bring them around Um, but somebody but everybody sort of has something that they can do that is a service-based business the downside to it is that you are required for the business so a lot of entrepreneurs talk about wanting to build up a business and then uh, at some point sell it to someone else and you can scale up and sell a service-based business but you have to kind of build a team for that so It gets a little bit tricky. But services are great when you're just starting off with freelancing or online business. And that's what they are, they're a type of online businesses. So uh, both Reddit and Coinality, which is a website where you can find Bitcoin jobs, uh, have job postings where people are like, I need this job done and I wanna pay for it in Bitcoin. You can go there and just look for jobs. Uh, Establish yourself as an expert. You know, if you put yourself out there, if you write content, blog posts, magazine articles, whatever, uh, or if you make videos about maybe how to do something in a basic way and then say, hey, this is how to do this in a basic way, but if you really want it done well, you can hire me to do it for you. Um, that's a great way to establish yourself as someone who's willing to do consultancy services. Um, and just network. Like You never know who you're going to meet. So as a case study for this one, I just want to talk about my voiceover business. Um, you know, I meet people all the time through Let's Talk Bitcoin and through going to Bitcoin conferences and you would, you might say like, well, who, what's the likelihood that these people who are just going to Bitcoin conferences are going to need a voice actor? Like that doesn't seem to really fit, but it actually does fit really well. Like every Bitcoin company, you know, wants to do some kind of marketing or it needs a phone system or explainer video or something like that. And so, uh, a lot of times they say, hey, you're a voice actor and you're in, in, in the Bitcoin world, I know you, let's, let's uh, work something out. So basically just the more people you can meet and the more material you can put out there of yourself as an expert in whatever field that is, uh, the better you'll do as a consultant or um, as a, a service-based business. Content generation is another really popular one. The barriers to entry of this are just getting so much lower, which is great. You know, Now you can get cheap microphones and cheap video cameras online, and you can start a, a podcast, or you can start a video podcast. You can make YouTube videos for very cheap. You don't need a TV studio. You don't need a recording studio. You don't need to get hand-picked to have your own radio show by the gatekeepers anymore. Um, you can just do your own on the internet, and some of them become wildly popular. And you know, your quality, your sound quality, your video quality can get better as you get bigger. That's fine for your show to evolve or your content to evolve as you get better. That's sort of part of the process, but the barrier to entry for that stuff is really low. Blogs are another example of this. I mean, it's, it's almost free to start a blog. Like You can start a free blog, actually, <laughs> on certain platforms, you know, Blogger and that kind of thing. WordPress uh, now takes Bitcoin, too, so there you go, This if you want to do a Word, WordPress site. Uh, so Bitcoin ties in with this in a pretty unique way. I didn't say uh, much about how Bitcoin ties in with service-based businesses, but I'll kind of get into it here. So for people who create content like blogs, podcasts, and videos, uh, there's always the idea of tipping, right? Bitcoin makes it really easy to send a tip or a small payment. Um, it's funny because there's a story. My, my co-host on Let's Talk Bitcoin, Adam B. Levine, and the other host is Andreas Antonopoulos, who's here too. But Adam, Adam wrote this article once uh, for a major tech blog. I don't know if I should say who it is, but he wrote, he wrote an article for a major tech Uh, website and it got a lot of views and he the idea was that he was supposed to get paid for this article, right? But he put at the end of the article a Bitcoin tip address so that people could send him tips in Bitcoin and this blog didn't like that (laughs) and they took his article down but what ended up happening was that he actually got more hits to letstalkbitcoin.com, which is his own website,
0: and he got more
2: tips from that, <laughs> from the exposure that it got him, even though it got taken down. And you know, the, the $100 that he got paid to write the article or whatever, that paled in comparison to the, the Bitcoins that he got. So uh, you know, Bitcoin can make tipping really easy online. There's tip widgets. You know, there's a, there's a, something called the, the Bitcoin tip widget. I think you can look it up online which has Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But there are also these things called uh, CoinLock and uh, BitWall. And I think there's another one called BitMonit, where you can put your content essentially behind uh, a paywall and not charge 25 bucks for a year subscription and have to collect credit card info, but you can actually take 25 cents from someone to read five blog posts or something like that, or or an article. There was actually a newspaper who did that, um, put all their articles kind of behind a paywall, because, you know, online newspapers have been just struggling with this paywall thing for such a long time. It's so hard to get someone to put their credit card information in to pay a dollar for, a you know, to read a New York Times article or something like that. You know, it's just, it, people don't want to do that, and with good reason, and the credit card is going to take 3% plus 30 cents, so then you're down to 60 cents, and it's 57 <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So with Bitcoin, you can do those micropayments, and you can use these bitwalls to unlock your content that's behind uh, the wall garden, if that's the route that you want to go. You can put out free content and then say, hey, if you want to access my premium content, go behind my bitwall. That's a strategy that a lot of podcasters take. There's also CoinDL, which is um, a place where you can download audio files and also eBooks for uh, Bitcoin. And then there's a new... Thing coming out called Watch My Bit. This is an interesting strategy. So, YouTube has this thing where they, uh, you know, they have people produce content that's available freely, but then they have advertising in the content that YouTube puts in there. And so, if you make a video that's really good content and it gets maybe ten thousand views, you could make uh, fifty bucks if you're lucky from that and some people are like well you know that's really not that's really not enough i really made good content in this video i really should get be getting more than that so now there are sites that are coming out that'll host your video and will let people pay you know as little as i think it's like 8 or 9 cents in bitcoin to watch your video and then they don't have to watch ads and if you have compelling content then they're going to watch it and you can make a lot more than with youtube so all these things are happening but Another thing that's happening kind of in this world of like the content creation space is what's going on, and, and this is also about Let's Talk Bitcoin. This is gonna be my case study for this uh, this block here. And that's LTP coin. So this is this is an interesting idea. I almost kind of thought it was crazy when Adam first proposed it, Adam B. Levine, the, uh, the main host of Let's Talk Bitcoin. He says, okay, we're gonna create this platform. You know, we're gonna have a website and we're gonna essentially make this token that the token has no value, it's just a token really, unless people value it. But we're gonna give people these tokens and pay them in tokens uh, for interacting and listening. And that's actually a really interesting idea because you're actually incentivizing people to do what you want them to do, which is listen to your show and interact and leave comments and stuff like that. So fast forward, LTB Coin has launched, and um, people in the audience are getting paid. You know, they create accounts on the site; they get LTB coins for listening to the shows, showing that they listen to the shows by putting in the magic words that's in the show, and, uh, <laughs> and and leaving comments on the website. So it's a really interesting experiment that just shows that you can kind of tokenize these whole platforms. And he's also experimenting with other things like token-controlled access to uh, like certain forum subtopics and things like that. There's all kinds of stuff going on with that. And you don't have to get that complicated with your blog or podcast, but you could if you wanted to. You could create a whole empire that's all done on these little tokens and these blockchain technologies. So that's content creation. Uh, now I want to talk about self-publishing. That's a big one. So if you have something that you always wanted to write a book about, or if you have something that you do that other people constantly ask you about, like a lot of people ask me, hey, Stephanie, how do you get into voiceover? How do I break into the voiceover biz? Like everyone wants to know that, right? So <laughs> at some point, I'll probably write an ebook about that or make an online course about it. That, that's probably what I'll do, giving myself away. But, <laughs> but the point is if there's information out there uh, that people want to know, then you can give it to them in the form of an ebook that either you give away for free or you sell on Amazon or through your own website. The possibilities are kind of endless. This kind of t- ties in also with online courses, which is the next thing I wanted to talk about. But yeah, I mean, you can write about anything, and you, actually, you don't even have to write it yourself. You can hire someone else to write it. You can give them bullet points and just hire a copywriter, and uh, you know, get a book to cover designed, and you're in business. And then you promote your book, or you have someone else promote it it's really kind of very open to doing whatever you want to do. A lot of people are part-time authors now, you know, like they have a day job, but they maybe write books or do a podcast or create a blog or something like that. And then they, they're trying to kind of build up their blog or their podcast to the point where they can do it full time. And that's a good strategy. That's kind of the strategy that I used with my business when I was transitioning out of science. But, um, you know, it can be a lot of work, And sometimes if you just take the plunge and go full-time with it, as long as you have something that looks like it has momentum, um, then you you could be good to go with that. Anyway, so the the trick to podcasting and self-publishing and online courses is really to establish yourself as an expert. And sometimes the way to do that is with online courses or with books. Like, if you write a book about something, sometimes people will say, well, she's an expert. (laughs) He's an expert, right? (laughs) If you have look, I taught the course on Bitcoin, or I taught the course on how to get into voiceover. People will kind of consider you an expert. It gives you some credibility, especially if what you say is, is true. Hopefully you actually have the experience to, to back it up. <laughs> um, so you could write about Bitcoin, but really you could write about anything, and you could just use these mechanisms of um, CoinLock or Bit- BitWall or whatever to sell your ebook for Bitcoin or to sell, put it up online. Or to establish yourself as a consultant who might get paid in Bitcoin. Um, I mentioned that I'm working on an audiobook uh, of Satoshi's words right now. That is actually um, from somebody who went the self-publishing route. And this person is, uh, is Phil Champagne. He wrote the book of Satoshi. And what he wrote about was really interesting. It's a catalog of all of Satoshi's words and then some commentary on it. And he made a book out of that. and published an ebook, had a, you know, a nice foreword written to it, and a lot of nice comments. And uh, you can buy it on his website from uh, through Coinlock. I think it's also on Amazon, but you can buy it for Bitcoin because Amazon doesn't let you buy it with Bitcoin. <laughs> and when the audiobooks out, we'll probably be able to do that too. So that's an example of both writing about Bitcoin or making content about Bitcoin, and also selling it for Bitcoin online. And he's making himself an expert because he's the expert on Satoshi and what Satoshi said. (laughs) Um, Online courses, there's, you know, making yourself an expert is really key here. Uh, You could make a course about really anything, but there's just endless aspects to cover in Bitcoin. If you cover it from a specific angle, like if you have a, a layman's perspective or if you have a very technical perspective or if you have a perspective on the future of Bitcoin or the history of Bitcoin, like the, the angles are just endless. You could create an ebook or an online course about any aspect of Bitcoin, uh, or, or Bitcoin combined with something else, using Bitcoin to establish an online business or whatever. Um, Udemy has the ability to create courses and put them up for free. So there actually is, there was the Bitcoin education project where on Udemy there's a course about Bitcoin um, that you can take for free. There's also the University of Nicosia, which is developing this, um, or I think it's actually ready, where it's this um, massive online course that you can enroll in, and then you can get a Bitcoin education from that. So it's really wonderful, the amount of um, online educational platforms that are coming out today. That's why I think like we don't really need this bit, bit nation like providing education on the blockchain or whatever, because there's so many platforms to get your education out there online. You could also do videos, a video course on your own website. Build up an email list, make a video course, and then market your video course to your followers and put it behind a bit wall. There's so many things, so many ways to create, combine these things. Another thing that I'm going to talk about later is uh, affiliate marketing. And Udemy actually has an affiliate marketing program. So they have free courses and then they also have paid courses. But if you become an affiliate of Udemy, you can affiliate market your own course and then get commission plus income from your own course. So there's all these ways to combine these different things. Games, okay. Games and apps kind of go together, but not quite. Um, if you don't have something that you wanna write about as an expert or you wanna to teach to the world, that's fine. Maybe you just wanna put a game out there. Games are fun, right? Everybody likes games. And there's just so many possibilities for them because you know uh, smartphone use is, is increasing. People are playing more games on their phones. You could create a mobile app that's a game uh, you could use Steam or another platform like that to make a game. Brian Sovereign, who's in the audience, is actually building a game with a software called RPG Maker, and he's going to put his game on Steam uh, when it's ready in a couple months. Or you could use a website as your platform. You could have a web app game that people go to your website and they play your game. You know, just be careful. Don't run afoul of these gambling laws. Funny story, actually, I know this guy who um, basically became a libertarian when... He was making a living playing online poker, and one day the government just literally came in and said, "Yeah, no, you can't do that anymore." They just shut down like pretty much all online poker websites, and this is before Bitcoin. But he, um, you know, that really affected his life because that's what he was doing. Uh, and you know, so the US kind of has these laws about Bitcoin games, but there are lots of people who play Bitcoin games online and maybe use a VPN or whatever to make it look like they're not in the US. Just saying, people do that. <laughs> not that I'm recommending anything in Google, of course. Uh, so, you know, and these games can actually be really lucrative. Like, okay, say what you want about gambling or the concept in general or whatever. But Bitcoin games at least have the the capacity to be provably fair, right? Like you can go to a site and you can see, okay, this is how it works, it's based on these hashes and yeah, this game is fair. Even when when these sites are honest about the house edge, you know, that the house has a 1% edge or whatever, people still play. So, You know, I know that there are certain sites that have done this, that built up gaming sites and then sold them, you know, um, Satoshi Circle is one that I can think of. It's like a roulette wheel kind of thing where people play for Bitcoin. Um, The guy built up the business and then sold it. Did really well with that. Satoshi Tice is another one you could think of. Seals with clubs. So the possibilities are endless. And even things like mathgate.info, that's a Bitcoin game where you're solving math problems uh, for Bitcoin, for a Bitcoin bounty and you're actually doing work that's useful in computer science and other fields. Uh, there's this lady on Twitter named Coin Artist, and she actually made a very elaborate Bitcoin puzzle that started off in a painting which contained this QR code with like all these letters and a Bitcoin address and then it just led you on this wild goose chase through the internet and at the end was a prize and it was a private key which was loaded with some Bitcoins. So you could create any type of game or puzzle from you know, things that might be considered Bitcoin gambling, to uh, puzzles, to math problems like that. And uh, and you could do that, and uh, that could be your online online business. What about apps? Well, that might require some special skills, but you could always hire an app developer if you have an idea, but you don't have the skills to code your app. Uh, just don't get pinched by the Apple store. <laughs> the case study I would mention for this one would be uh, the FIBA wallet. So, Uh, I don't know if you guys know Leif and Lamar, but they are app developers. I think their background was as app developers before they started this business. Um, But basically, they saw a problem, which was that in the Apple Store, for a while, Apple was banning all Bitcoin apps, so you couldn't download blockchain.info or anything like that from the Apple Store. And so what they did was they set up, um, they they first of all coded an iOS uh, wallet, which is now available on every platform, so through the web and on Android and on iOS called the FIBA Hot Wallet. I love how they they call it the Hot Wallet. (laughs) It's like (laughs) a little double entendre. But anyway, the problem was that people couldn't get um, Bitcoin apps in the Apple store, so what they did was they set up a co-op. And if you joined their co-op, you had access to enterprise software, which included the FIBA wallet. So they solved that problem really effectively. Uh, Now, since then, Apple has actually allowed Bitcoin apps back into the iStore, so they don't have that problem anymore but they've built a successful wallet and they're doing well as far as I understand, so good for them. So that's apps, apps development. And the last two are uh, affiliate marketing and e-commerce. So affiliate marketing is selling someone else's product and e-commerce is selling your product or something or building a store of products that you curate, something that's unique to you, something that only you know. So um, I guess let's first talk about e-commerce. So You can build an e-commerce store actually for free or nearly for free because there are plugins uh, for WordPress such as WooCommerce and WooCommerce actually has a Bitcoin integration plugin um, and you can just get a WordPress site, install those plugins on your WordPress site and build a store. And if you're selling a digital product, you don't even have to stock anything. You know, it's like ridiculously easy almost if you think about it, you just have to have something that people are willing to buy. Um, I actually built a couple of websites myself that have um, WooCommerce stores on them with, with the Bitcoin plugin. Uh, one of them is my website voicemail-greeting.com, which is a sort of a niche site that I built just as an experiment. I have a main voiceover site, but I built a niche site just for voicemail greetings, which is kind of marketed as like a plug-and-play—you know, get a voicemail greeting for your company—and um, that has a Bitcoin store in it with WooCommerce. So it's really easy to build. I, I mean. There's a little bit of a learning curve, yeah. You kind of have to know a little bit about WordPress, but you can teach yourself that. You know, you can easily learn that. And it's free. can't beat the price. (laughs) So Shopify also is another platform that has Bitcoin integration. So you can take Bitcoin payments if you have a Shopify store. And really, with products, you can sell anything. It can be digital. It can be physical. You know, uh, selling physical products, like you have to do a little bit of negotiation and probably find a way to stock the products and fulfill the orders and find someone else who will fulfill the orders. But that's actually um, a pretty popular model that a lot of people use for online business because that's a business that you can sell later on. That's a business that you can build up and then sell it and make yourself totally redundant and sell it to someone else. uh, And then just kind of live a free lifestyle. So um, the only hard part is picking what products to sell. And then people get into all these things like keyword research, you know. Also, if you're writing a book, if you're doing an ebook, you want to do some research to find out if people would actually want the information or the product that you're trying to sell them. And if they're willing to pay for it, and if that's acceptable to you, how much they're willing to pay for it, basically. So, you know, researching these things, obviously, is a good idea before getting into them, but the point is, it's totally possible, and the tools to find out how are right there on the internet, if you want to. You can totally find out. Um, So, I guess a case study of uh, an e-commerce site that I would want to bring up is uh, Bitcoin General Store. These guys actually started out, I think, selling... It was a company called Bitbrew, which was selling coffee for Bitcoin online since the very early days where you'd probably pay—you'd probably be paying like 10 Bitcoins for a pound of coffee. You know, like this is probably when they started. But uh, they actually partnered with someone else and expanded into the Bitcoin General Store, which curates a bunch of unique products that might be interesting to Bitcoiners. They're, they had kind of nerdy stuff on there. They had um, food items like the Beast Brothers Honey um, made by these two young guys who... Learned how to grow bees and make honey. (laughs) So really, like, the sky's the limit. And they did it all for Bitcoin. And it's called the Bitcoin General Store because you could pay with Bitcoin. Or I think you maybe even had to pay with Bitcoin. They didn't accept fiat at all. And that's another choice you have if you do Bitcoin e-commerce. You don't have to necessarily mess with credit cards even. That can be something that uh, is costly. You know, if you're just setting up a store and you have to uh, subscribe to some payment gateway to be able to be... PCI compliant and accept credit cards it's really a hassle but with bitcoin you don't need to worry about that. And then the last thing I want to talk about is affiliate marketing. So that's basically selling someone else's product for a commission like I said there's so many bitcoin businesses out there that have affiliate links that you can get really easily and that you can use. And this is something you can do like really easily on the side where you don't need to you don't need to really be devoting full time to this but for instance, you could have a local Bitcoins affiliate link, and you could tell people how to use local Bitcoins and say, by the way, if you join local Bitcoins, use my link. And then from then on, you get a few millibits every time they make a trade. And there you go. You've got some passive income just because you just for your trouble of introducing someone to local Bitcoins. Um, Coinbase is another one that has an affiliate link. Beter, beater, better... Bitter. I don't know how you pronounce that exchange. B T E R. They've got an affiliate link, so if you if someone joins through uh, your link and they trade cryptocurrencies, then you get little commissions from that. Sometimes these exchanges have their own coins, where you get like loyalty points in their coin uh, for joining their exchange or for having affiliates join their exchange. And the beauty of that is that you're doing the other comp- you're doing this company's marketing for them. You know they're basically outsourcing it to you, and they're paying you for your time. So anyone can get affiliate links. It's super easy to start out doing that. My case study on this, I guess, would be, um, so for a while I had a podcast called Pork Therapy. I may actually reboot that at some point, but it was a relationship talk show. And we did like relationship advice. And I started on that show, I found that I had an Amazon affiliate link that I created and I would um, promote the affiliate link. You know, If you do your shopping on Amazon, go through my link, and then I would read the items on the show, and people would just love to hear what other people bought on Amazon through the show. Like, it was just a really simple thing, but it seemed to work really well, uh, for me anyway. So, the funny thing about that, though, was that I ended up having affiliate links for Amazon Canada, US, and UK, and so I ended up, for a while, I ended up with all this Amazon credit from, I mean, not a huge amount, but, Amazon credit from Amazon Canada and Amazon UK that I couldn't use because you can't cross ship products to different countries. You can only order stuff from your own Amazon or your own country's Amazon. So I had all this credit I didn't know what to do with it but then there were these websites that came out like uh, purse.io and Brocker, which are gift exchanges which basically let you spend your Bitcoins on Amazon. You put up your item uh, on an Amazon wish list someone else buys the item for you, and then they get your Bitcoins. Basically, that's how it works. So, I was able to exchange my Amazon credit, which you couldn't do, you know, you can't buy an Amazon US gift certificate on Amazon UK. Uh, I was able to exchange my credit uh, into Bitcoin, which was great, because then I would just hold on to the Bitcoin. Um, okay, so those are just all some ideas, and this is a very cursory kind of overview of online business strategies, but This is just kind of to get your juices flowing. If you're thinking about starting a business online, it can be really easy. You can dip your toe in really easy with some affiliate marketing or starting your own blog and then trying to monetize it later or whatever. But writing about something you enjoy anyway, that's the point, because it's not supposed to feel like work. That's the point, is is just to have fun. And I'm really glad to say now that even though it was really scary to change careers, I'm really glad that I had this fun job and I'm so glad that I do online business, and Bitcoin has just been awesome in so many ways for my life, and I hope it will be for yours too. So, um, I guess that's it. If you want to see my websites, you can, I mentioned voicemail-grading.com, voicemail-grading.com, but my main voice voiceover website is smvoice.info, if you want to see what my business kind of looks like on the web. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, stephanie at letstalkbitcoin.com is my email address and you can hear me on Let's Talk Bitcoin twice a week. Thank you so much. Woo! Do we have time for some questions? If anybody has any.
3: Hello, uh, Sean Wilkinson with Storage. Uh, great talk, I uh, definitely had the same experience. Uh, Jumped out of uh, college, went straight into a Bitcoin business. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people are starting to do that now. I think it's about the third wave of people who are either quitting their jobs and starting Bitcoin businesses or just uh, getting out and starting Bitcoin businesses. It's definitely a good time right now. Uh, My question is more, do you think there's a space for Bitcoin in academia? Uh, Academia, because there's... (laughs) When I was an undergrad, I was looking to go to graduate school, and I was trying to do research in the Bitcoin space and there's just nothing out there at all. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's, it's starting to build up now, but I really haven't seen it take hold in any kind of schools or colleges.
2: <laughs> yeah, great question, Sean. I, I hear you on the academia thing. I, after being in it for so long, I kind of want to get as far away from it as possible as I can right now. But in my experience, honestly, academia tends to be really resistant to change. It's just the the information, even in advanced kind of graduate programs, can tend to be like 10 years, 20 years behind sometimes, in certain fields anyway. So I I mean, maybe if you're a PhD student and you want to do your PhD thesis on some aspect of Bitcoin or on some aspect of blockchain technology, or if you wanna create your own um, blockchain technology as part of a PhD thesis, you could do that, but you could also just do that by starting a company. And, it, and then you wouldn't have to like please these professors, and you wouldn't have that's, to. That's
3: what I ended up doing. <laughs> yeah, there
2: you go. So is there a space for Bitcoin in academia? Yeah, if, if academics accept it, or if, if academics are open-minded to it, yeah, for sure.
3: Thanks.
2: <laughs> Thanks.
1: This is a follow-up to that. I saw yesterday on Facebook that Georgia Tech in Atlanta is now accepting Bitcoin for concessions at their stadium. And so the engineers again lead the way, and Georgia Tech's doing a good job of that. Right.
3: Well, I think that they got because the, thing the a major, uh, one of the major businesses, BitPay, uh, they're Georgia Tech alums, and they're one of the Bitcoin, uh, biggest Bitcoin businesses. Ah, so uh, uh, yeah. Uh, that was yeah. a good fit. So like to see a lot of other colleges It's accepted for, I think MIT's. Uh, oh yeah, so the MIT, well.
2: they had this plan. They had some investor that was going to give every MIT student $100 worth of Bitcoin, and then mm-hmm. maybe they were gonna use the blockchain to track it and see where it went and what they did with it, and they were gonna do some also like hackathon or like contest to, to spur innovation. But as far as I know, they haven't actually done that yet. Like, they haven't gotten the Bitcoin to these students yet. So yeah, they we'll did we'll
3: the, see. the hackathon, but I don't know, maybe the price has something to do with why they haven't. Uh, that's very it wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth about half uh, what it was, so. Yeah. That's probably it.
2: Maybe it'll be $50 in Bitcoin. <laughs>
3: Hey, Stephanie,
1: excellent talk. I'm, uh, I'm actually contemplating doing the same thing. I have uh, 20 years of a pretty successful career in corporate America, and I am uh, I'm trying to follow your footsteps. It, it is a very scary prospect, right, when you look at, you know, what your whole life you've thought, you know, this is, this, is, this is the right way, and now I'm like, no, I'm gonna build my own way this way. Can you talk a little more about that, that Maybe the psychology of it, or how did you, you know, how did you make that? You, you rush pretty quickly through that big gap of, hey, I'm gonna, you know, quit this whole, you know, path I'm down and just, you know, go this way. And here's what you can do, you know, when you go down that way. How did you make that change psychologically or mentally? You know, was there a moment in there when you went like, all right, that's it, I'm doing it now? Or how did that happen?
2: Yeah, thanks, Christian, for asking about that. Um, so. Yeah, it's a thing that a lot of people can relate to, like, right, being unsatisfied with the corporate job, right? and I, for me, it was a slow build up, but then it was kind of once I, once it built up to a certain point, I was realizing over time that everything I thought this career path would be, wasn't actually true. I thought I would be able to do something meaningful, and it didn't feel like I was getting meaning from my job. I thought I'd be happy and healthy i wasn't happy and healthy <laughs> you know i i thought i'd maybe make a lot of money someday i that wasn't true you know like so all these truths were kind all these core beliefs were kind of questioned one by one about why i should why it was good to stay in this job and what good things it was going to bring to me and then pretty much at some point the only thing left was this art this idea of success this idea of success that culture sort of implants in everybody's mind. And you realize that success is being happy. Success is not other people's definition of success. It's yours and it's what matters to you. And it doesn't matter if other people are fawning over the fact that you're getting advanced degrees or fawning over the fact that you have a stable career or a great job or whatever. What matters is that you're happy and you enjoy it. And for some people they can get a lot of enjoyment out of just the fact that they're getting paid and they're gonna retire someday and they know when they're 65 they're gonna hit the road and they're gonna be in Aruba or whatever. But for some people that's not enough. And I guess I I realized all these things and I questioned all these core beliefs. And then at some point I think I was listening to the four hour work week book that I mentioned on audiobook while I was in the lab and I remember this one line of yeah, it's scary to make a career change But the scarier thing is staying in a career that you hate for the rest of your life and staying where you're not happy. That's actually the cost that you don't see. That's the scarier thing. And it just clicked for me, and I was like, that's so true. And then I I think at that moment. I said, okay, I definitely can't continue with this. I have to start planning an escape. So, um, you know, books like that and podcasts like that can be... Dangerous in a certain way because they shake up your world, but they can also be so useful. Because if I hadn't heard that, or if I hadn't come to all these realizations, I don't know if I would be where I am today. I might be in a hospital somewhere, you know, feeling sleep-deprived. My 80th hour. (laughs) Exactly. So you'll get there. I mean, when you when you're starting to question whether you want to be in a corporate job. I think a lot of people who are, are curious minded, maybe like yourself, often will seek out resources that will give them what they need to hear. So, good luck.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Okay.
1: Just, yeah, really, really very quick. Um, I, hear, I hear what you're saying,
4: and um, I've, I've kind of felt like that my whole adult life. You know, it's like I know that this is not this lifestyle is not going to be satisfying for me or fulfilling for me. You know, I know that there has to be something more. But then I had a child and I was a single parent, and I really felt like I had no choice. Like I had to go, you know, you know, get a job in the corporate America and be successful in, in the way that, that that culture expected me to be successful. Um, so, what would you say to someone who's who's in a position like that? Who, you know, they have they have another human being that they have to take care of, you know, because it's not as easy when when you have that. Whereas when you're single and you're and you're not, you know, you don't have kids, then you can kind of just like it's much easier to be, you know, poor for a while and deal with like <laughs> that feeling for a while. So, you know, how would you respond to someone who's in a situation like that?
1: Yeah. Luckily, I'm not
4: anymore, and I'm I'm doing this
2: thing, but,
4: you know, I'm sure that there are women that, or, you know, anybody that, you know, could be in that situation.
2: Yeah, well, good for you for doing it, Diana, that's awesome, <laughs> but um, it, it's a great question. Um, there actually are a lot of uh, single moms and moms that are in relationships and whatever, like, just parents in general and dads that are gravitating towards online business now because it allows them the freedom to stay home with their kids and not to uh, go to a job where they have to be away from their child. And then when you're working, when you're, you know, going out of the house, you have to pay for not only your lunch and your commute and your clothing and, like, nice suits and stuff, but you also have to pay for childcare. And sometimes that kind of eats up, like, any difference that you might make from having a higher-paying corporate job than, than maybe having your own business at home. So, I mean, you can even make a blog or a podcast or something out of being a parent. There are so many mom blogs out there that talk about their relationships with their kids or things to do with kids in a certain city. Um, I've seen, like, uh, birthday businesses, like mom start businesses that are doing stuff for kids' birthdays. Um, there's some great podcasts out there, like Entrepreneur on Fire. He actually um, interviews a lot of parents who have made online businesses out of that kind of center around being parents, um, so I guess it would probably be harder if you have a really little baby because you're just probably not going to get much time to yourself. But if your child is like even you know a few years old, you could totally start just blogging when you have a spare time and go from there. Thanks. Yay. Yeah.
0: just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's sovryn techcom and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love and love is not subject to law. So please share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.